On July 11, 2023, the United States Marine Corps was left without an official commandant for the first time since 1910, thanks to Alabama Senator Tommy Tuberville. As a result of his opposition to the Department of Defense's policy of reimbursing female soldiers for travel to states where abortion is legal, Tuberville has single-handedly placed a continuous hold on all Senate votes to approve senior military appointments. Prior to his 2020 victory in the Alabama Senate election, Tuberville's claim to fame was his lengthy career as a college football coach. After multiple stints as an assistant coach at Arkansas State, Miami, and Texas A&M, Tuberville acted as the head coach for Ole Miss, Texas Tech, Cincinnati, and most famously, Auburn from 1999 to 2008. While Tuberville is arguably the most famous coach in American sports to enter politics, the U.S. has no shortage of athletes who have made their way into politics. Two former professional mixed martial arts fighters are currently sitting members of Congress, Kansas Representative Sharice Davids and Oklahoma Senator Mark Wayne Mullen. Ohio Representative Jim Jordan was previously a Division I wrestling champion in college. Several Olympic medalists have served in Congress, including former California representative and decathlete Bob Mathias, former Illinois representative and sprinter Ralph Metcalf, and former Kansas representative and distance runner Jim Ryan, while figure skater Michelle Kwan is the sitting U.S. ambassador to Belize. As for baseball, former New Hampshire Senator Fred Brown played outfield for the Boston Bean Eaters, while Kentucky Senator Jim Bunning was a Hall of Fame pitcher for the Detroit Tigers, Philadelphia Phillies, Pittsburgh Pirates, and Los Angeles Dodgers. In basketball, former Detroit Michigan Mayor Dave Bing played for the Detroit Pistons, former New Jersey Senator Bill Bradley played for the New York Knicks, and former Arizona Representative Mo Udall played for the Denver Nuggets. As America's most popular sport, football has produced the most athlete politicians in the U.S., with incumbents including Texas Representative and Tennessee Titans linebacker Colin Allred and Utah Representative and New York Jets safety Burgess Owens. Former Massachusetts Governor Edward King was a defensive end for the Buffalo Bills, while former Supreme Court Justice Byron White was a halfback for the Detroit Lions. While it is less common, plenty of athletes have even become heads of state and government of their home countries. Going back to American football players, the highest-ranking athlete politician in U.S. history was President Gerald Ford. Between 1932 and 1934, Ford played center for the University of Michigan football team, winning two national championships in a row in 1932 and 1933, and being named Michigan MVP in 1934. Upon graduating, Ford received offers to play for the Detroit Lions and Green Bay Packers, but he turned them down to go to law school. A few athletes are incumbent world leaders outside of the U.S. As I mentioned in the Liberia episode, 
Liberian President George Weah previously played striker for the Liberia national soccer team, as well as for high-level European clubs like Paris Saint-Germain, AC Milan, and Manchester City. Weah is widely considered the greatest African soccer player of all time, as he is the only African soccer player to win both FIFA World Player of the Year and the Ballon d'Or. Albanian Prime Minister Edi Rama was formerly a professional basketball player, having played for Dynamo Tirana and the Albania national team. Fijian Prime Minister Sidiveni Rabuka competed in the shot put, hammer throw, and discus at the 1974 British Commonwealth Games. Former Pakistani Prime Minister Imran Khan had a prolific career in international cricket, leading Pakistan to victory in the 1992 Cricket World Cup. Former Japanese Prime Minister Taro Aso represented Japan as a skeet shooter at the 1976 Summer Olympics. The infamous former Ugandan President Idi Amin was previously a famous boxer, having held Uganda's light heavyweight title from 1951 to 1960. Another athlete-turned-world-leader took advantage of a period of instability in his country and became a demagogue. I'm going to tell you all about him right now on Historia Obscura. Welcome to Historia Obscura. This is the 93rd episode of this podcast, and I'm excited for you to hear it. Special thank you to Patreon subscribers Barbara, Cameron Sherman, Scott Sherman, David Kahn, Lisa Chase, and Tom. If you want to receive a shout-out in every episode, among other benefits, help support this podcast by going to patreon.com slash historiaobscura and becoming a patron. One more thing. Make sure to stick around for a little to hear a message about the sponsor of this episode of Historia Obscura, Spotify for Podcasters. If you want to make your own podcast, you'll want to know everything about how to use Spotify for Podcasters. Istvan Friedrich was born on July 1, 1883, in Malatska, Slovenia, which was then part of the Austro-Hungarian Empire. Friedrich's family was of German origin, having been born to pharmacist Janos Friedrich and housewife Erzabet Wagner. Throughout his youth, Friedrich was an avid soccer player, playing right-winger on the soccer team for his secondary school in Bratislava. In 1901, he was recruited by the Budapest University of Technology and Economics to play soccer for the school-affiliated local club, Mujitemi AFC. At the university, Friedrich studied engineering, all while excelling as a soccer player. During this time, Austria and Hungary each developed their own national soccer team, despite both being part of Austria-Hungary. In 1905, in his senior year of university, Friedrich was called up to play one match for the Hungarian national team. The match was a friendly in Vienna against Austria, to whom Hungary narrowly lost 5-4. Due to his lackluster performance, Friedrich was never called up to play for the national team again, instead briefly working as a soccer referee to make ends meet. 
After a brief stint in law school in Berlin, Friedrich got a job in Berlin as an electrical engineer in 1906. In 1908, Friedrich returned to Hungary and established a factory on the outskirts of Budapest. After a brief period working in the United States, Friedrich returned to Hungary and got involved with politics for the first time, joining the liberal-leaning Party of Independence in 1912. Friedrich quickly became a local branch president of the party before enlisting in the Austro-Hungarian army during World War I. Friedrich was medically discharged from the army in 1917, and he soon sold his factory, which had benefited tremendously from wartime demand for military technology. As the end of World War I neared, long-standing Hungarian nationalism boiled over in October of 1918 with the start of the Astera Revolution, a conflict fought for the purpose of making Hungary a republic, independent from Austria-Hungary. Istvan Friedrich was a major participant in the Astera Revolution, allying himself with Republican revolutionary leader Mikhaili Karolyi against the Austro-Hungarian Empire. On October 28, 1918, Friedrich was wounded while engaging imperial forces at the Chain Bridge in Budapest. Within three days, the Karolyites seized power and established the first Hungarian Republic. Karolyi became the first prime minister of this new Hungarian government, appointing Friedrich as secretary of state. Friedrich quickly used this power to exert influence on the other cabinet departments, and Karolyi began to fear that he had enabled a, quote, uncontrollable demagogue. Tensions between the two were exacerbated by Friedrich's changing political views. Karol Yi continued to push for social democratic policies while Friedrich began to establish strong ties with right-wing nationalist political movements. Friedrich also took issue with Karol Yi's isolationist and pacifist foreign policy, instead favoring a militaristic and interventionist attitude to geopolitics. In January of 1919, the Party of Independence was dissolved, and on February 8th, 1919, Friedrich was removed from his government position by Karol Yi. The next month, Hungarian communist Béla Kun carried out a successful coup d'état that resulted in the establishment of the Hungarian Soviet Republic on March 21, 1919. Hungary was the first country to turn socialist after the Russian Revolution, and Kun reportedly kept a direct line of contact with Soviet leader Vladimir Lenin. As a counter-revolutionary, Friedrich was arrested and sentenced to death, but he was able to escape and go into hiding with the assistance of his factory workers. Five months after Kun's revolution, the Hungarian Soviet Republic collapsed on August 1, 1919, and Kun fled to the Soviet Union. Social Democratic trade unionist Julia Pedel uh, was reinstated as prime minister, but previous collaboration between Social Democrats and communists left many Hungarians concerned with this government. Not even a week later, on August 7, 1919, Friedrich carried out a bloodless coup that overthrew the Social Democratic government and put a nationalist republic led by himself in place.
Bad memories of the Hungarian Soviet Republic weighed heavily on the minds of Hungarians during the ensuing political turmoil, and as a result, Istvan Friedrich offered no quarter to communists in Hungary. In what was known as the White Terror, suspected communist sympathizers were rounded up and either imprisoned or executed. Non-communists affiliated with Mikhaili Karolyi's social democratic government were also subjected to the White Terror, as were Jews, who Friedrich believed had collaborated with the communists. In total, an estimated 1,000 people were murdered during the White Terror, while tens of thousands more were imprisoned without trial. Friedrich also re-established the Habsburg monarchy, naming Archduke Joseph August the Regent of Hungary, but the Archduke resigned after the Entente powers of World War I made it clear that they would not agree to a peace deal that allowed the Habsburgs to stay in power. Thus, Friedrich acted as the de facto leader of the Hungarian Republic. He established a political alliance of right-wing nationalists, monarchists, business leaders, and Roman Catholic clergy. Still, opposition to Friedrich from the political right was prevalent. Austro-Hungarian Admiral Miklos Horthy seized control of the National Army in the hopes of re-establishing the monarchy in Hungary. In November of 1919, Horthy's forces sparred with Friedrich's forces, and the nearby Kingdom of Romania agreed to offer assistance to Friedrich under the stipulation that democracy would return to Hungary. Friedrich and the Romanians were successful in fighting off the National Army, and Friedrich kept his word, implementing secret ballot voting for the next elections. These elections, which would take place in January of 1920, would allow universal adult suffrage, even for women. Even with the advent of universal suffrage and free elections in Hungary, Istvan Friedrich still believed that he was popular enough to stay in power legitimately. But when the 1920 parliamentary elections rolled around, this turned out not to be the case. Once all the votes were tallied, Friedrich's party, the Christian National Union Party, received 82 seats. Meanwhile, the National Smallholders and Agricultural Laborers Party, which was even more far-right and nationalist than Friedrich's party, received 112 seats. Only a few months after he had first seized power, Friedrich's time leading Hungary had come to an end. His old rival Miklos Horthy would go on to be appointed regent of the new Kingdom of Hungary, and under Horthy's reign, Hungary would ally with Nazi Germany and the Axis powers of World War II. Friedrich's party formed an opposition cabinet, but he never won an election again. In 1921, he was arrested and put on trial for allegedly conspiring in the murder of Istvan Tisza, a liberal former prime minister who had been assassinated by left-wing revolutionaries back in 1918. Friedrich was acquitted of this crime, but was arrested again just months later for participating in a failed coup to put Austrian Emperor Charles IV back in power in Hungary. As part of his plea deal to avoid prosecution for this incident, Friedrich was barred from holding political office for life. When the Soviet Union put the Hungarian People's Republic government in place after World War II, Friedrich was arrested in 1951 on fabricated charges of plotting to overthrow the communist government of Matthias Rakosi, 
and sentenced to 15 years in prison, Friedrich would not live out this sentence. On November 25, 1951, Friedrich died of an unspecified illness while in prison in the Hungarian town of Vatsk at the age of 68. It was not until 1990 that he was politically rehabilitated by the post-communist Hungarian government. Still, Friedrich left behind a complicated legacy as both a freedom fighter for Hungary against imperialism and communism, but also as a fascist, a demagogue, and a Nazi sympathizer. But there is another interesting distinction that he also holds. He was the first soccer player for a top-flight national team to serve as a world leader. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Historia Obscura. I really enjoyed learning about it myself. If you want to suggest an episode of Historia Obscura, send me a voice message at podcasters.spotify.com slash pod slash show slash Historia Obscura slash message. Feel free to leave your name and location, and if I like your idea, I'll make an episode of it and give you credit. Additionally, if you want to support this podcast, go to patreon.com slash Historia Obscura and become a patron. And of course, I can't go without once again thanking this episode's sponsor, Spotify for Podcasters. They are by far the easiest way to make a podcast, so if you want to make your own, go to spotify.com slash podcasters. With that said, this is Jack from Historia Obscura, signing off, but not for long.